The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. Marketing in the automotive world continues to face as many opportunities as challenges. It's far from the simple exercise of network TV combined with radio ads combined with billboards or events. It's everything at the same time. It's TikTok, it's influencers, it's events with all-star celebrity chefs, it's racing, or it's all of the above at a brand like Lexus. With a whole new mandate to reinvent Toyota's luxury division, Lexus is taking steps in a completely new direction. New products, new technology, and a really big opportunity to have Lexus appeal to more younger buyers in the future. It's a chance for a marketer to make his full impact on a brand and shine. Vinay Shahani is delivering that in spades. A strategic transformation with a flair, a connection to consumers, and a mix of traditional and non-traditional venues. Golf courses hotels, luxury programs, and all kinds of avenues, including, yes, TikTok, and a collaboration with Marvel Studios to design 10 character-themed concept vehicles. Marvel and Lexus, a new day indeed. And Vinay is a marketer's marketer, having developed a long resume with a myriad of automakers, from Ford to Nissan to Volkswagen to now Lexus. And it wasn't even supposed to be this way. He was a trained engineer and a consultant to start his career, but quickly moved into the car guy realm, partially thanks to his car guy father, who worked as an automotive engineer at Ford Motor Company. And Vinay is a true car guy. He's a racer, a passionate professional with an eye for great design and a catchy marketer. What's the path forward for Lexus? What's the path forward for marketing in general, especially given the splintering that's occurring at a torrid pace? And how to handle all of those buyers out there who just can't get enough cars. Vinay Shahani is cars and culture, if only because he's setting the cultural trends day in and day out. He's my guest today. I'm Vinay Shahani, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. Well, Vinay, we've talked so many times over the years. This is the first on this show. I'm grateful. Thank you. You are the second marketer on the program, but you have a connection with the first marketer on the program. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. It's always great to see you and be with you. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. And, and thank you for the opportunity. It's it's definitely not lost on me. And I've seen some of the other people that have been on this show. So certainly an honor. Well, you're welcome. The honor is all mine. And let's refer to some of those other people who I, I just mentioned, Allison Witherspoon of Nissan. We talked to her at length about Heisman House, but I didn't realize until I started talking to you a little bit about this that you were actually on the ground floor. You were, you were the building blocks of Heisman House, uh, the foundation, if, if I can use that analogy. What do you remember about those early days, Vinay? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. I was, I was part of a team of people that, that really started that foundation. And it, first of all, I mean, it's so great to see that it's still around. And you know, it's proof that uh, you know, a, a solid marketing idea can have a long shelf life as long as you continue to innovate and, and keep feeding it and making sure that it's going to evolve with the times. But I think the, the genesis of it was really based on the idea of seeing the, the size and attractiveness of college football here in the United States. And, and you, you know, you've lived here and you, you've mm -hmm. seen some of these rivalries and the, and the power of that as a platform for any advertiser. Uh, but obviously, a lot of different sectors, a lot of industries, a lot of advertisers get into it, and it gets crowded. And I think the idea for Nissan back in the day was, how do we create a red line where we can define something that we own, still true to the brand, still able to deliver on uh, the principles of marketing, which is to explain who you are as a brand and what you have to offer and why a consumer should consider you but to do it in a way that allows us to have some breathing room in a very crowded space. And as I mentioned, um, you know, doing the, uh, the commercials with the Heisman winners, uh, doing the onsite activations, those were, 
you know, the, the things that we started back then. And it's great to see that it's continued. Um, and yeah. it's certainly a powerful legacy. And I'm, I'm happy to have been part of that, at least at a, at a small level back in the day. A lot, lot of strength in that brand, even on its own. Uh, the vehicle becomes almost secondary to some extent because the focus goes to the players. Does it work because you see athletes as humans? They're kind of hanging out on the couch and, you know, they're having to do things in the house that, you know, are, are, are sort of, um, you know, fun, loving, lighthearted, that sort of thing. When you, when you thought about the original idea, was that it? Yeah. I mean, it, look, when I, when I got involved, we were, it was year two or year three. Um, now that I think back about it. And I think the idea was based on the attractiveness of, of these players that many of whom are larger than life to the fans. Yeah, they are. And, and they don't get a glimpse of their fun sides, their silly sides, you know, they see them perform on the field. And this was, I think as much about bringing some levity to the Heisman candidates and integrating them with the product in a fun way. And every year it, it's kind of taken a life of its own as, as you've seen. I mean, I haven't been as close to the last mm-hmm. few years, obviously I've got my own, own programs to worry about. Uh, <laughs> but certainly, uh, you know, back in the 2011, 2012 timeframe, you know, that was definitely the brief was have some fun, bring the personality of the brand to life, but do so in a way that you're authentically tapping into who these athletes are and what their passion points are. We focus on cars and culture here. Marketing is that beautiful um, link between both, isn't it? It it really is. Um, you know, when I when I think back to my uh, my career in this industry, which is crazily, I can't believe it's been twenty seven years. It's like <laughs> blink of an eye. How did I? How did I get here? You're too young. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting old now, though. But you know, I started out. Grown up in Detroit, my dad was in the industry, um, mechanical engineer uh, at Ford Motor Company his whole career. And, uh, you know, he took me to the Detroit Auto Show when I was four years old. Wow. I actually went back and counted. I've been to 40 Detroit Auto Shows in my life. <laughs> Missed a few years here and there. Um, 40. <laughs> 40. Can you believe that? It was a very different show 40, 40 shows ago, let me tell it you. It really was. Yeah. It really was. But, you know, the the idea of bringing a brand to life in a car show was something that captured my attention and imagination at a really young age. I mean, I, I would just so look forward to walking around the show with my dad. Uh, back then, the automakers, as you probably remember, they were big on giving out brochures and plastic bags for you to put those brochures in. Yes. And I would come home with every single one of them. Yeah, I, and I would that. literally I read thing. every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was just such a, an amazing way to bring a brand to life and to really see what they had to offer and the features and the cars and the glitz. And it was really a, it was a big, big deal. And I think it influenced me in, in many different ways. Number one, I knew I wanted to work in the industry, um, you know, growing up in Michigan and getting an engineering degree in my backyard just made a lot of sense at Michigan. Uh, But I think over time, what attracted me to the commercial side of the business was this notion of bringing a brand to life and creating an emotional connection between the brand and the consumer. Um, And that's, that was really my passion at that point. And I'm really fortunate. I got to work in a lot of different areas of the value chain. So starting out in the manufacturing, the engineering side, uh, then moving to sales operations, product marketing, field sales, a lot of different assignments uh, across multiple OEMs. But I have to tell you, marketing is by far, I mean, I pinch myself sometimes that Mm. I get to do this. And this is something that I get paid for. And I work with some of the best people uh, in the business and the best partner organizations, whether it's ad agencies, uh, you know, agencies that help us bring to life activations on the ground with, you know, face-to-face with consumers. This, this is, uh, this is what it's all about for me. But that's interesting. I mean, you went through high school and college really strong in math and science. And as you said, an, an engineer, and in fact, your, your first real, uh, workplace, 
experience was with Arthur Anderson in enterprise consulting in Chicago. But now, I mean, what I'm hearing is you love the artistic side of the business. It's got nothing to do with math or science or consulting. What gives? <laughs> yeah, that when you look at that, you're kind of like, what happened to this guy? He must not have been a very good engineer if he went into Arthur Anderson. Um, the, <laughs> or you the, bumped into somebody who was very artistic and you went, I want to be like them. And I'm a people person, so that that's a very uh, interesting scenario. I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. When I was getting my engineering degree, um, I was working part-time at a clothing sales, uh, as a clothing salesman. And I'll tell you what I loved about working in retail. It opened my eyes in terms of connecting with people. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was my boss at American Eagle Outfitters told me, you are forbidden from saying, how can I help you when a customer comes into the store? And what she was trying to tell me was figure out another way to connect with a person on a personal level. But it, it really forced me to be creative in terms of having a conversation with people. And I, I'll never forget the day um, this guy comes in and he said, I, I need some help finding a pair of khakis. He was wearing a suit. I didn't, I didn't know him. So I said, yeah, I'm absolutely here to help you and showed him the $33 pair and the $67 pair. And of course, I'm explaining the features and benefits of the more expensive pair. And, and he was kind of smiling. He asked me, he said, do you work here full time? I said, no, I'm an engineering student at Michigan. I said, but I'm, but I'm trying to get a job at Ford Motor Company. And his eyes kind of lit up and we started talking. He tried on the pants. He's like, I'll take them. And when he went to the cash register with me, he gave me his credit card, WC Ford Jr. Oh. Bill Ford Jr. 1990, oh. this was 1994. And he bought a pair of pants for me. And what he didn't know and what I didn't tell him at the time was I had already started the interview process for an interview at Ford in their internship program and product development and the climate control division, which is the division that he led at the time. Wow. So my, I had a family friend who would put me in touch with HR. I ended up getting an interview, but it's just stuff like that, where I always had this, I always had this thing in the back of my mind while I was good at the quantitative side, the mechanical side, the STEM side. Uh, I always loved that emotional connection with people. And frankly, uh, when I graduated, I had an opportunity to go back to Ford. Um, but I met someone along the way, um, a guy by the name of Kirk Jabara, who was a partner in charge of the Detroit practice of consulting in at Arthur Anderson. And what they were looking for and what a lot of consulting companies were looking for was hiring you know, engineers who could think systemically, who could solve problems. Because that really, that's really what engineering is, right? It's problem solving. Um, and I was really open to this idea of working in a consultancy where I would go see different industries, different businesses, helping solve different business problems. Uh, and that's what attracted me to Arthur Anderson. But I will tell you, after four years of doing that, um, I loved it. I love the people that I worked with, the consulting mindset of problem solving and asking questions to really get to the root of what issues there really are has served me well my entire career. What I realized was there was no substitute for being in the car business for me. Mm -hmm. For a guy that had grew up in Michigan, who's a you know gearhead, um, I knew I wanted to get back in, and um, you know I I used grad school as my opportunity. Arthur Anderson actually sponsored me to go to get my MBA, and while I was at Stanford is when I realized, look, I, I need to go and and get back into the car business. Um, and of course, that was a time when Enron and Arthur Anderson got into big trouble. Arthur Anderson was later exonerated, but the company was going away. The opportunity at Nissan came about. Carlos Ghosn came to campus to speak to us. I heard about the turnaround and mm. I wanted to go work for Nissan at that point. And uh, that's where I went. That's incredible. A couple of things there. The fact that Bill Ford goes to a mall to buy pants is interesting. Uh, Can you believe that? We should have asked him earlier on the show. I, I, what he I saw his, that he was on your show. But I, what he I thought of a salesperson. I, exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> You never know who you'll meet. You go to Volkswagen and you're you're on a trajectory there that's similar to the Nissan one. And then all of a sudden, this little issue pops up about mm, the powertrain and emissions and diesel gate. And everything you have said, every every bit of trust is blown out of the water. And it is that old that old phrase that trust takes a lifetime to build and a moment to break. And the Volkswagen trust level with the consumer was broken. 
that had to be one of the darker periods of your career. Yeah, I mean, just you hearing you say all that just brings back a lot of memories. Um, I was I was actually on a flight from Berlin coming back to the United States uh, in September of 2014, and I distinctly remember setting the phone on the the tray table, and you know maybe drifting off to sleep, and then uh, waking up, woken up by um, text messages coming through, and people are like are you okay? Is, is everything okay? What's going on? And I'm like, what are these people talking about? Check your, check the news, check the, you know, and I read it and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Volkswagen in violation of, uh, you know, emissions, um, you know, notice of violation from the EPA. Um, you know, your first, your first question that you ask yourself is how could this happen? How is this even possible? Yeah. You know, I've never once in my entire career before that ever had to question the validity of a specification that comes over from the engineering side. You just take it like, okay, this, this seems reasonable. And, and of course, my, my remit was marketing and building the brand. But, you know, diesel was a big part of the brand. Well, you fun to drive, yeah, fun to gonna... drive, high torque, high fuel efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, you were going to you know, convert everybody. You're going to convert everyone. That was that was the, the thing in, in telling the story of diesel. And to find out that there's this kind of issue, my first question was, okay, so we have a problem here with diesel. Well, what about the gas cars? Are the gas cars okay? Can we sell those? And and just the, the questions. And I, I think that, you know, looking back on it now, um, certainly I was pulling my hair out during that time frame, but what a what an experience to go through what a learning opportunity um you know going did, through a crisis did all marketing just 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 grind grind to a halt no we didn't um because we still had to sell cars you know my my thing was i, I got to keep the lights on here um and i was committed uh, to working with you know mark mcnab um you know michael horn mark barnes and other people we were like okay we got to keep this thing going we've got employees here that whose livelihoods are on the line um we've got to continue to figure out how to make a, a viable business plan work without 25 percent of our cars um available for sale at that point um you know initially what we did was the the noise was so loud and the the uh, pushback was so strong that advertising just made no sense so I remember making a decision um, to say, hey, we're going to pause all of our tier one advertising. But we took a lot of that money that we would have spent and we gave it to dealers. And we said, you do it. You are local, you know, pillars of your community, businessmen, businesswomen. This money will be much more effective for you to drive traffic to your stores where it's less about the VW brand and more about the relationships that you have with these people. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, that turned out to be a good decision that that really helped. Um, I think polling was another thing I learned, um, starting to poll consumers and find out where is sentiment, because if you wait for the syndicated surveys, it's too late. So you have to have an immediate sense for what's happening and uh, creating a website for consumers to keep track of what's happening with their diesel cars. I mean, all of these things were things that you figured out, we muddled through. But I'll tell you, the first thing I did, uh, you know, when this, you know, the shit hit the fan and, and, it, and it, was, it was real, started to look at crisis and other examples of what companies have done, uh, whether it was Tylenol in the 1980s uh, or unintended acceleration for Toyota. Um, and just, just looking at some of the things that other companies did was very instructive for me as a leader and um, you know, we learned a lot from those types of things. Needed a bit of a playbook, didn't you? That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. You you said that you remember 32 years ago, speaking of the Detroit Auto Show, when the Lexus brand was formed at the Detroit Auto Show. And you said once, if you had told me back then that I'd be the head of marketing for Lexus brand in the United States, I would have probably laughed. Why is that? Um, I think more from the perspective that um, here I was, a, you know, a high school student at the time, growing up in Detroit and, and having a very strong technical desire to get into the business. Marketing was not on the radar at that point in time. You know, that came after 
you know, some of those retail experiences came after working at, at you know, as an intern at, uh, you know, at Ford, um, certainly became a lot, lot stronger of a desire when I was in at working at Arthur Anderson and going to business school. So it kind of built over time. But at that point, I was, I was a gearhead. I was just a car guy. I love to, you know, uh, turn the wrench on the, on the Mustang every so often and, and, you know, talk cars with my friends. Um, but marketing certainly was on the radar. Also, the second thing I would say is the fact that Lexus was so new and, and we didn't know really what to think other than the fact that the product just blew me away. I don't know if I told you this story. Um, but one of my dad's colleagues from Ford, um, his wife was a successful physician in, in Michigan. And um, she didn't want to drive a Ford or a Lincoln. You know, that was fine for her husband to do so, but she wanted a luxury car, a real luxury car. And she went out and bought the first LS 400 and they brought it to our house. Blasphemous. It, crazy. <laughs> brought it to the house. Uh, I'll never forget it. Pearl white, navy blue interior. And like I did with most of my friends and family friends, I, you know, if they brought a new car over, I said, give me the keys. <laughs> I'm going to go check this out. And I went outside and, and we started the car and it just blew me away. The car had a V8 engine in it. It was quiet. It was the most quiet vehicle I've ever heard. Um, the, the, um, uh, the speedometer had these, these needles that had like this, this um, clear translucent light going through it. Sure, um, and I was like, wow, where did, where did they come from? Where did this come from? I mean, we knew at that point that it was the luxury brand of Toyota. Um, so that was the first experience that really gave me a really high impression of, of the Lexus brand. This, the second time that built on that was, I think it was summer of 95, um, or maybe it was 96. I was an intern in product, uh, excuse me, in uh, powertrain operations at Ford. And I did a benchmarking project where we did a performance field benchmarking. We were working on developing the, um, uh, the Lincoln LS and the, uh, the Jaguar S-Type. That was a, the first you know, kind of joint development between Ford and Jaguar. And my responsibility was performance field benchmarking. And we went out and we procured an LS, procured an ES. Um, I think we had a GS as well. Uh, and we drove those cars in every scenario you can imagine highway driving city driving uh benchmark them for, for from every perspective possible and it was just amazing to see the ingenuity that went into those vehicles um the the thoughtfulness the design the design for manufacturability uh the simplicity of of um you know the elegant simplicity of the approach that they took um i think that was really really impactful in terms of my impression of the lexus brand so now you fast forward almost 33 years later um, to be at the helm of Lexus marketing in the U.S. As we embark on what we've been calling the next chapter, which is really the uh, aggressive launch cadence of a bunch of new products, more aggressive than we've ever been before, moving into boldly into electrification, performance. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Lexus driving signature that that notion of having a very clear connection, linear connection between input and output, giving confidence to the driver. This is, this is a, this is a dream job um, just from that perspective. And you've almost been a year into this dream job. That's right. And as you mentioned, it's a, it's an opportune time given all of those changes. One of the significant things that you asked when you first came in a year ago, you asked everybody on the team to think about what Lexus really stood for. And you spent about six or seven months asking that question. One, why did you need to ask the question? And two, what'd you hear? Yeah, I think it was, it was when I first came to the job in January, February timeframe, um, when I started uh, having one-on-ones with the team. And, and what I noticed was a lot of variability in what they felt the brand stood for. and that that gave me uh, a little bit of um, pause for question, maybe concern to say that, you know, if we're going to move the brand uh, into new segments, 
Uh, and of course, I'd been the beneficiary of seeing, you know, Cooper Erickson and his team show me the next few years of product that are coming. Uh, and pairing that up with, you know, what were some of the reasons why people were defecting from the brand or rejecting the brand or avoiding the brand? We felt like there was an opportunity to really, uh, really come to a very crystal clear definition of the brand um, that we could all really get behind. When I say we, I mean my marketing team, the Lexus division, our dealers, our partners, so our ad agency partners, the, the, you know, the, the talented people that help us come up with uh, you know, cool and unique ways of connecting with consumers. That, that was the opportunity that we identified really, really soon into uh, my tenure. And we have a lot of new folks that had come into the division at that time too. Uh, and I think that was, that was a, a great opportunity for us to go down a path of really uh, dialing in what we want to focus on for the future um, with, frankly, the opportunity looking at uh, a lot younger demographic and knowing that you know, Gen Y is soon going to be the biggest group of luxury car consumers in the United States. Um, they weren't happy with the uh, Lexus uh, touchpad and joystick infotainment. Um, but we knew that, you know, our connected technologies team had just developed state-of-the-art new infotainment system. We call it Lexus Interface, completely voice activated, uh, touchscreen, immersive, simple to use. So finally, we're starting to have answers to some of these questions that younger folks were asking about the brand. And, you know, we were able to really come up with something that I think uh, is going to serve us well as far as brand positioning for for this next chapter. And then you put Lexus on TikTok. Can you imagine? <laughs> Vinay. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah, we did uh, We did something fun. And I, I give a lot of credit to the team. Uh, you know, distracted driving is a big issue today. You, you know mm -hmm. that in, from, from your, your experience. Uh, we created a a video on TikTok, which really in a very quick, quick way explains the dangers of distracted driving. And most people think when they look down at their cell phone that they're only looking for a second. But studies have shown that they're actually looking on average at 4.6 seconds looking down on their phone, which means they're not looking at the road. So the creative team came up with a cool idea to put people inside the car and smoke out the windows for 4.6 seconds, obviously on a closed course. And the panic that ensues when you can't see for 4.6 seconds, well, that's the same situation as you looking down at your phone. Um, and we saw a really dramatic engagement rate for that content. Um, and I think it gave us the confidence to say, you know, TikTok is here to stay. I mean, that's, that's the, the thing that we're dealing with as marketers, regardless of what industry you're in the new platforms that are popping up on a day in and day out basis, um, we had to adapt as a company. And fortunately, we've used that as a confidence builder to do more content specifically developed for, for TikTok, um, Instagram Reels, same thing, uh, working on uh, other partnerships that can help us tell the story of Lexus in a cool way and talk about some of these new products, new features, um, you know, again, that's going back to the earlier question about why marketing. I mean, this, this is why marketing it's, it's about building that, yeah. that connection to consumers. And there's nothing more exciting than that for me. Let's talk about a couple of those things. There's the video series that's all about golf, golf driven, right? Um, there's the Cavallo point sixth now Lexus culinary classic that includes a trip to the Skywalker ranch and 12 chefs and 11 vintners. And golf, uh, from a from a broader perspective, not just the the series on 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 tips on golf, but of course even things like the HSBC Women's World Championship, golf championship that that you support, motor racing. You're definitely going off into other lanes where Lexus has has only had a toe in the water before and is now diving in headfirst. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe start at a 30,000 foot level and then we can drill in a little bit more. You know, what we're trying to do is curate elevated experiences for our guests um, across the areas that the target consumer are passionate about. 
full stop. That's the objective. That manifests in five key areas. Um, so culinary, you mentioned. Um, so we've partnered with a number of culinary masters, uh, hotel and travel, as you pointed, Kavala Point. Um, there's, there's many others there. Uh, golf, driving experiences. These are engagement channels where we can tell the story of our brand, uh, speak to our brand, our values, and of course, integrate our products and messaging. Um, you know, the target consumer, we, we like to call them creative visionaries. Um, these are, this is not a demographic target. This is a mindset target. And this mindset transcends all ranges of ages, lifestyles, uh, ethnicities, backgrounds. And literally when you add up the number of things that we're doing in each of those five categories, Jason, I could spend every single day of my life in a year going to these events because they're all taking place simultaneously, whether it's a Lexus performance driving school that we're doing at Laguna Seca, where, you know, our driving ambassador, former race car driver, Scott Pruitt, will show you how to drift a car. We'll show you how to do lead follow on the, on the speedway. Uh, we'll teach you how to get through an autocross track. And then we have Townsend Bell doing a master's class on even more performance driving techniques or it could be Aspen Food and Wine, or it could be, uh, you know, visiting some of the um, wineries in Napa Valley through our relationship with Napa Valley Vintners. All of this adds up to passion points of our guests, and and that's the that's the the fun part of of that is is really telling Alexa's story through the lens of some of these passion points. Um, we're we're very fortunate. Uh, you know, the hotel program is a great one um, because that one created a really strong foundation. I'll explain it. And then I'll tell you some of the innovations that I think COVID has really caused us to think about. So the hotel program, as you would have guessed, um, we're aligning with some of the finest hotels in the business, um, predominantly in the US. And it's about organically integrating uh, Lexus into the guest experience, um, you know, through test drives or through offering courtesy transportation opportunities for the guests when they check in. Um, you know, these leave lasting impressions on guests. And we routinely hear, oh, I didn't realize that Lexus had the LS or I didn't realize that Lexus had the RCF track edition. Um, so we have uh, 14 hotels and resorts that are partners for this, this current year. Um, one of the cool things, and this is where I was gonna get into how COVID has kind of changed our mindset on things. But, uh, you know, during the last couple of years, as you would imagine, We've seen a desire from our guests to want to get away, but also be safe at the same time. You know, there was some reticence to fly, and we saw that initially. Um, so we wanted to give people the opportunity to get away, but to do so in a way where we can still showcase the brand. Um, so we took this idea of the American road trip, which everybody knows, very iconic part of American history, and elevate it. So we engaged our hotel partners. We provided them with Lexus ISs because that was the time frame when we were launching the IS earlier this year. And we curated these experiences where they could go for a, a drive that was already mapped out for them between two properties. Uh, we gave them a, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like a wellness kit that we included mm -hmm. in the vehicle. So Lexus branded yoga mats, yoga blocks, resistance bands, curated list of podcasts. And we said, Go experience the American road trip. Do it in Alexis, which is a sanctuary and a getaway in and of itself. And this, this was really fun. I mean, this was a, a great way to take something we'd already started with the hotel program, but to sort of evolve it a little bit to include uh, the vehicles in a cool way, I, I thought was super fun. Mm -hmm. So we're going to continue to Kaizen and try to elevate from those types of experiences. But, um, you know, that, that was a, definitely a fun one. Uh, you mentioned motorsports. Um, that's that's another big, big channel for us. Um, and you moved in there quite seriously in the last little while. Yeah, we have. So, uh, you know, I think it was four years ago uh, when Lexus first went into IMSA, mm -hmm. uh, sports car racing. And, you know, it, certainly for me, I've had a lot of experience uh, with motorsports across multiple brands. You know, obviously, the biggest of which was managing and overseeing the Toyota marketing motorsports program with NASCAR. 
uh, and working closely with one of your recent guests, Joe Gibbs and his team, it's just phenomenal, phenomenal people uh, and, and really great results when you look at what racing had done for Toyota and lifting consideration from the time that Toyota first went into NASCAR to current time frame to see consideration levels for the brand go from near zero amongst NASCAR fans to same level as Ford and Chevy is, is pretty impressive to me. But obviously the scale is different at Lexus. Um, you know, we're focused on IMSA, which is much smaller. Um, but we work uh, really closely with uh, Jimmy Vassar and James Sullivan. So Vassar Sullivan is the, the race team. We compete in the GTD class of IMSA. Uh, we've actually announced next year we're going to go into not only GTD, but GTD Pro, which is a new class that IMSA has created. Um, and really, this is, this is a way for us to spread the performance message and the excitement for the brand. Um, you know, we obviously we want to win, and that's why we're partnered with who I think are the best uh, race team and the best drivers. But what I like even more is how we can deliver on omotenashi, which is a Japanese word for that anticipatory hospitality in how we engage race fans, how we engage Lexus owners in our hospitality, in our fan zone, in our what we call Lexus racing experience, where we'll have our cars there, we'll have our drivers come and do, uh, you know, meet and greets with, with the fans. Um, we'll have vehicle simulators, so you can actually go race an RCF GT3 uh, at Laguna Seca on the simulator. Uh, this is a really cool way to engage people in the brand. And I think that it tells a story of Lexus performance and how we're committed to performance. I think that's one of the things that I really love about sports car racing. You look at that RCF GT3 that's on the track in an IMSA race, and that's the same body style as the RCF that you can buy at yeah, a Lexus right. store. Yep. So that likeness, I think that point of connection, especially when people are watching on the broadcast on NBCSN, um, is, is really important for me. Um, and I think like anything, as you would imagine at Toyota, we, we measure everything. You know, it's, it, it's not enough to say that we think this is an important channel. We've got to go and look and say, okay, is it delivering? And that's where I think the facts are, are pretty powerful. Um, you know, we've seen for people who, who visit our Lexus activations at the races versus those who don't, um, in the last couple of years, we've seen a 105% lift in brand consideration. Um, you know, we've seen a 57% lift in opinion of Lexus as a brand, excellent opinion of the brand for guests that engage with us at the track versus those who don't. Um, and, you know, I, I go to a lot of these races. You can ask Dutch. I, I had him come meet me at Petit Le Mans at uh, the Michelin Raceway in Atlanta at the last race. Ago. Yeah, a couple yeah. weekends ago. And it was, um, I wanted him to see, I know he's a race fan. And he hadn't been in a while and I wanted him to see it. And in fact, I'd invite you anytime you ever want to go to a race, whether it's the Rolex 24 in Daytona or Sebring, just to come and see this experience and how we're engaging fans. And, you know, some of these people that you meet there, you know, I routinely hear things like, I never thought about purchasing a Lexus, but after my friend brought me to this race, I, I have to come look at your product. And I mean, that, that speaks to the opportunity that we have. There's a lot of people that don't realize that we sell a full lineup of cars. Yeah, they look sure. at us and they say, you're the brand of the ES. No, we're not just the brand of the ES. We are the brand of the RCF, the LC, which to this day, I think is one of the most beautiful cars in the industry. Um, you know, the, the um, IS 500, where we took naturally aspirated V8 and shoehorned it into the IS platform. I mean, and then putting people in hot laps on the track, these are really powerful impressions. And uh, I think it's really one of the most important things that we're doing experientially and uh, we're committed to it. So it's been great for us. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with Lexus Chief Marketing Officer, Vinay Shahani. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein, former publisher of Automotive News, is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back into Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. 
Now back to my interview with Lexus Chief Marketing Officer, Vinay Shahani. And now you're drawing inspiration from superheroes with cosmic superpowers <laughs> as the exclusive automotive partner of Marvel Studios Eternals. Um, Lexus and Marvel have collaborated to design 10 character-themed concept vehicles based on all 10 superheroes from the film. Yep. Again, not where, if I think of the older white male who, you know, frankly, um, over the course of the last decade has been more emblematic of the brand than not. I don't know that I would have lumped Marvel Studios in with Lexus in the past, Vinay. Yeah, it's a great observation, Jason. I, I think you rewind the clock a little bit a few years ago with the debut of the LC. We actually partnered with Marvel once before with Black Panther. That's right. And, yeah. and that was a I think a really successful collaboration and really showed us the, the possibilities when you find the right partner for product integration in film. Uh, so we have a good relationship with Marvel. Uh, when we learned about the Eternal movie and the cast and the diversity and the, uh, just the personalities of the superheroes, we were intrigued um, because as you said, uh, it's very diverse and we have an opportunity with, you know, a lot of the growth in the United States with multicultural consumers. So uh, Kumail Nanjiani, who uh, plays the role of Kingo uh, in, in the Eternals, um, we had an opportunity to work with him on a commercial uh, where we hired the Russo brothers. They did, uh, they directed the, the, um, the spot for us. And they did it in what I would call Marvel style. I mean, it's full of all of the uh, action that you would expect from a Marvel movie. And it's just based on a simple, prom a simple premise, which is we can all relate to this. Finding a parking spot in a city can be a pain in the butt and it feels like the world can be conspiring against you. So we do this with Kumail driving the car, Kingo driving the car, and he's dealing with a, you know, a, a battle that's happening amongst superheroes and villains. And all he's trying to do is park the, the IS 500 and it's, it's a really fun execution, but it, it just shows us the possibilities of what we can do creatively uh, with the right product, the right message at the right time. And if you look at the numbers, again, we go back to measurement and I look at the IS. Now, granted, we have other problems right now hindering IS production with chip shortages and, and such, but the IS is by far uh, one of the most diverse vehicles in terms of who's buying it in our lineup, um, surpassing some of our key competitors in that segment. Um, it quickly became the second fastest selling car in the United States um, because of the desirability from executions like what we did with Marvel, uh, like what we did with, uh, I don't know if you saw the brand campaign that we ran earlier this year in September, October, we worked with some up and coming artists to create a new music a this new is, song. This is Emotional Sparks. Uh, it features songwriting duo Nova Wave, Korean-American R&B artist Audrey Nuna, and Argentinian freestyle rapper Echo, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. Those, those, are, those are the people. Um, so the idea here was to obviously feature some of the new news for Lexus. Um, so I mentioned the Lexus interface uh, being our new way in with inter infotainment. Um, our new NX plug-in hybrid, which we're really excited to roll out, um, you know, this year, late this year, early next year, uh, as well as autonomous drive functionality, what we call Lexus Highway Teammate. Um, so actually, the opening part of the the first of four spots in that campaign shows Audrey Nuna, who's a songwriter, taking her hands off the steering steering wheel as she's getting creative inspiration from the LS and singing her song. Um, Nova Wave driving the, uh, uh, the NX plug-in hybrid and putting it in electric mode so they can actually hear the song a little bit better. Uh, Echo, the freestyle rapper from Argentina, you know, rapping while he's driving the IS500. Just got that V8, very visceral experience. Uh, and it all comes together in a, in a really cool way. Um, and, and you can download that song, No Ceiling, on any of the major streaming platforms. I have it on my cell phone. My kids listen to it because it's, it's actually pretty cool. But I think this was a, this was a great um, way to really push the envelope for the brand, Jason, and, and really tell a different story, a more edgy, exciting story about the brand. 
And if I look at the data, frankly, of what comes back from our, our ad testing, it, it's performing really well. And for the first time, we're seeing very strong blip on the radar for those people who are under 40. Uh, so we're able to connect with something that's believable, likable, and interesting in terms of what product and features that we're showing. What impresses you out there in the non-automotive space? I know you've talked before about the Geico guy who you who you kind of admire that whole messaging, but what else out there is motivating to you, Vinay? I will tell you that when we were uh, embarking on this brand positioning project that started with that question, you know, what does the brand stand for that I asked all my, my new colleagues when I joined, uh, we wanted to really come up with a simple construct for how to articulate brand values, product truths, and, and the, the essence of the brand. And um, fortunately, working for a brand like Lexus with its stature and, and being the head of marketing, that gives you access to talk to other lead marketers around, around the um, general industry, regardless of, of sector. So I, I got a chance to speak to some leaders from companies like Peloton, marketing leaders at Peloton, uh, talking to companies like Uber, uh, Intel, and, and really trying to get a sense for like, how do you guys look at that? How do you simplify the essence of your brand? And we learned a lot from talking to a lot of these companies that were out of our sector. And um, I think that, I, I think Peloton's doing a phenomenal job of, you know, really taking the, uh, this notion of personal best. And, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who likes to exercise. <laughs> um, we do it because we have to. And they were criticized early, by the way, if you remember the campaign from a couple of years ago. They were, they were criticized. Um, I think the, the essence of what their brand speaks to consistently is this notion of showing up yeah. and the way they do it by stringing together these enthusiasts and instructors who are larger than life. I mean, you look at the followings that they have on, sure. on uh, Facebook or Twitter or, or Instagram is probably the best example. Dennis Morton uh, is my trainer. Exactly. I mean, there's, we all have our favorites, right? Um, and they've really taken this internet of things and, and combined it into, a, you know, it's what used to be a commodity product. Let's be honest, a, a exercise bike has been around bike. since, right, right. It's My grandmother had been around. Exactly. But they've, they've reinvigorated it and they've evolved it and it's modernized and it's so emotional now. I'm really impressed with with how they've done it. And, and it's not just the advertising, it's the sum of all the parts. It's the instructors, it's their presence on uh, social media. It's the, the experience you have when you walk into the showroom. Uh, you know, it's it's very much, you know, consistent with that omotenashi that I talked about, that experiential, uh, that, that anticipatory hospitality that our dealers do such a great job of. Um, that was, that was a, a big inspiration for me. Final couple of things. You just recently released a teaser for the um, RZ, the electric SUV. How are you going to market electric cars differently than internal combustion engine vehicles? Yeah, I think it starts with something that you know I saw from the outside in, whether the consumers or, or the industry pundits will agree with me or not uh, is a big question. But Toyota started electrification back in the 90s with the Prius. Yeah. Yeah, we have a long history of of leveraging electric powertrains in our vehicle. Now, granted, they're combined with uh, internal combustion, efficient internal internal combustion engines. But I think that for me, the future vision of Lexus Electrified really hinges on this Lexus driving signature that you and I have talked about before, and and enabling more confident control than ever before. You know, first and foremost, the response, you know, peak torque at zero RPM. That's the beauty of having an electric vehicle. That that feeling you get in your stomach, I think is something that I think is going to be critical to articulate and, and really show, especially in ride and drives and experiential. You know, we're certainly going to have RZs in some of these experiential properties that we've talked about before. Um, but I think Sato, our, our global CEO, global president of Lexus has said that the quicker the person can feel fully confident behind, behind the wheel, the faster they can also enjoy the overall in-car experience. And I think this is something that we're going to really embrace in, in how we market it. We're still, it's still early for us because it's coming late next year. Uh, I think there's some really cool innovations, steer by wire, direct four all-wheel drive, 
the yoke steering wheel I think is really interesting because of the driving dynamics that it can enable and this simplicity of of driving uh, driving the car. Um, I think these are some really cool things that we can sink our teeth into and really tell a story of innovation for the brand because we know that carbon neutrality is an important thing for us to achieve. And I think it's a pragmatic way to go for, for us. Final thing, Vinay, what does success look like for Lexus when you're starting year two of this job? It's a, it's a really good question. I, I think that, uh, number one, I look at demand as a key measure of whether or not the marketing team is doing a good job. And we're seeing demand at a level that we've never seen before. Hmm. We're seeing turn rates um, of 70, 80% at our, at our dealerships. And, and I, that's, I, I will say this over and over, we, we have the best dealers that take the best care of our consumers. So that combination, that one-two punch between strong marketing at the national and local level, combined with the experience that Omotenashi, that our dealers deliver, is a really powerful combination that I think we've got to continue to harness. That said, I think we've got a couple of big launches ahead of us. You know, we, we just uh, showed the, uh, the new NX, and I think the NX is for me, going to be a new epicenter of the brand, a new nucleus for the brand in the sense that uh, the platform, the powertrain diversity, the technology, whether it's the Lexus interface or some of the cool features like remote key, remote park, uh, I think are really going to help appeal to a younger audience that maybe didn't look at the brand before. So I think that's a key metric that we're going to look at is the demographic of the Lexus buyer um, and that cross-section, you know, we want to honor the baby boomers. We want to keep them. We want to keep the Gen Xers, but we know we have an opportunity with Gen Y and Gen Z. So that's going to be something that we're going to closely manage and, and watch and make sure that we're moving the needle. Um, and then obviously we're getting through from a supply chain perspective, um, you know, these, these issues that we're all facing right now. Um, I think we've seen the worst uh, of it so far uh, in terms of uh, inventory and production challenges. Uh, but I think it's going to start to get better, especially as we have some of these new products uh, that get released, whether it's the new NX, the new LX that we just showed. We showed the F-Sport version at SEMA. Um, I think these are, these are going to be big opportunities that, uh, as a marketer, uh, is, is super fun for, for me and my team and our, and our agency partners. He's the best khaki salesperson in a marketing role at an automaker right now. <laughs> write, Shahani, write that on my resume. <laughs> Vinay Shahani, thank you for being on Cars and Culture. Thank you for providing more to our automotive culture on a regular basis. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity, Jason. Thank you. Thanks to Lexus Chief Marketing Officer Vinay Shahani. And thanks for listening to Cars and Culture. You can follow Cars and Culture on LinkedIn and Facebook, as well as on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars and Culture. I'm Jason Stein in Detroit. We'll see you down the road.